Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of Directions University and the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. We have a show ready for you guys today that I am super, super excited about. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, joining us in just a minute, and hopefully we have a guest from the Art of Charitable Giving at the I don't know if he's here yet or not. Rodney, are you here? Yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure. See him. I don't see him either. Jan, I'm gonna go see if I can reach him real quick. I don't see Jack either. Do you know if Jack is joining us? I believe he is, but I don't see him either. Can you message Jack and I'll go look for Rodney? Yep. I hate dead air, Jan. I know. Okay, so today, what I wanted to say about this guest is he is doing something that really, honestly, almost all of us wish that we could do. And that is use our passion for uh, projects that we believe in and use the, all of the same tools that we use to make money and have a successful career and use them in that genre. And it's amazing what this man has done. Uh, just looking over his website, I was really quite stunned. Wait until you get a chance to talk to him. Hi, guys. I have had that pleasure. Hello, Jack. We're looking for our guest today. Oh, he'll be here by the time I'm done introducing him. I got a big old introduction here. You ready for <laughs> awesome. it? Awesome. Yeah, he, he, he's it. got plenty of things. So, Rodney Smith is with us today. He's a passionate leader with integrity and a strong work ethic. Work ethic. <laughs> Utilizing a superior skill set made up of over 26 years of experience in the nonprofit industry. And the former three-year-old, three-year-old, <laughs> Um, yeah, he's a former three-year-old, I'm sure. As a former three-year starter for one of the premier college football programs in the country, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, under legendary coach Tom Osborne, and a short stint in the NFL under coaches Mike Shanahan and Marty 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 Schottenheimer, Rodney has learned the discipline, dedication, and structure necessary to succeed. His leadership in the nonprofit industry has allowed two of the organizations he founded to serve over 160,000 at-risk children and over 6,500 military children and families of the fallen, wounded, and deployed. You can find out more about Rodney at theartofcharitablegiving.com. I have had the pleasure of speaking to Rodney. and his partner, James Craddock, from The Art of Charitable Giving and 4D Story. And these guys are just incredible. Uh, they've become involved in one of my projects, which is Earthwalk, that you guys are going to hear more about as we get closer to June. But 
just an incredible example of social entrepreneurship and how for-profit and non-profit companies can really build businesses first and foremost, but at the same time, make a difference in the world. It's what you and I talk about all the time, Jack. Oh, yeah. I think the highest form of leverage right now or the hottest form of leverage right now is any kind of business working with any kind of nonprofit. Right now, I think that's the biggest, hottest, uh, and most welcome trend in business today. And it's growing by leaps and bounds. But uh, if you guys can imagine, uh, you all know how hard it is in your market. I don't have to tell you, you know, about competition and, and how how hard it is to cut through the noise and everything else. That's if you're crazy enough to go head-to-head with anybody, which we're not. We're leveragists. But... Uh, but that's the big complaint from everyone. It's hard. The Internet is noisy. Lots of people are just going offline and doing mailers like they used to because hardly anybody gets real physical mail anymore, uh, of a promotional nature anyway. So, um, you know, people are going where there is no noise, where there's the most pure source. Now, this is not to be abused, but the most pure source of attention on the planet is in front of crowds of people who are there for a passion. They're there for uh, something important, something bigger than themselves, something they can volunteer with uh, to help or they can give money to, and that's in nonprofits. The only reason that anybody would ever be a member of a nonprofit is because of the good that the nonprofit does. That's it. There's no other reason. There's no shoes. There's no shirts. There's no service. (laughs) Uh, It's just to support good in the world, right? So, it's a pure thing, and it's pretty quiet over there in the nonprofit world. It's massive, uh, but they only talk about their issues and uh, what they can do to help. Now, if a business ever came in and started to help them with their mission and to forward that, that business would be front and center in front of an audience that is absolutely pure. It would be like finding a vein of gold the size of your arm in a mountain <laughs> um, for a marketer, right? And the only well, requirement not to interrupt, is, Jack, but I yeah. think we have Rodney joining us now, and he certainly knows quite a bit about the subjects that you're talking about. Rodney, are you here now? Gina, I'm here. Sorry for the delay. We got two feet of snow, but the phone lines are still working here in Denver. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Have a little snow, huh? <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank well, hi, you Ronnie. so much for joining us, Rodney. Jack has done a great job of introducing you already, and we were just waiting for you to get here. So I'm going to let Jack well, take he, over and get what, to know you a little what, bit. You got a Jack, and what I heard, you are definitely did on. Um, look forward to talking here. Awesome. Well, uh, cool. So, well, let's start right where we usually start. What gets you out of bed? What's your most passionate reason for waking up every morning? Well, I've been in this nonprofit space for 26 years. So, as I've always said to everybody, it's one of the most challenging businesses that exist out there to be successful in the nonprofit space of serving the community. And at the end of the day, you know, my choice every day is a simple choice. It's what can I do to help someone else, whether it's another charity, whether it's an individual, whether it's a corporation. Um, It's a pretty cool feeling. That's what I get to do. And if I go play golf, nobody's mad at me. You get to say you're working when you're playing golf. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
That's got to be yeah, you, uh, just, that's gotta you be get to be mad thing. at yourself for your golf <laughs> game, but that's all. <laughs> well, hey, you don't know how I play golf, but you're actually accurate on that one. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Actually, I, my dad was a golfer, and I, I I learned most of my cuss words from him uh, when he was trying to golf uh, when I was growing up. So uh, I know that sport is um, one of passion. <laughs> you got to be passionate to beat yourself up like that all the time. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so, what, yeah, I used to do that, too. I used to go down rivers um, in the southwest. And it was my job, um, working for nonprofit organizations, conservation organizations. We were uh, surveying the stuff that we were trying to protect. So the, there's no better way to build a passion for uh, a, a piece of land that needs to be protected and preserved for the whole uh, country <laughs> and generations to come than to getting out in it. So, yep, uh, that was my golf. So I, I got you there. Nice. Nice. So... Well, so I was talking about leverage earlier and talking about how businesses can um, really... Hold on. Before you go there, we want to hear Rodney's story because Rodney's story is going to lead into the topic of leverage in a big way. Oh, perfect. Well, go for it. well Jack, I'll just take uh, what I call a 30-second commercial, hopefully. Um, I was an 8-year-old and I stood outside a gate um, watching my friends participate in a youth football camp. And when the pro athlete came over to ask me what I was doing, and I told him uh, I didn't have enough money to be in the camp, so I was watching my friends. He walked me up to the table and paid my $300 registration fee, and that was at that point changed my life. And I set a goal to play in the NFL. And as a seventh grader, I had a teacher that saw something inside of me, and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m., he picked me up at my house, took me to school, we lifted weights, we trained in the sport, and he forced me to study for 40 minutes um, for three years before school because the only way I could get to the NFL was if I, I went to college. I ended up with 18 scholarship offers, got an opportunity to have a cup, uh, cup of coffee in the NFL after I left the University of Nebraska, played with the Raiders and Chiefs. And um, when when that ride ended, I was interviewing jobs and was just so disappointed in what the real world had to offer to me at that time, and I ran my own youth camp for children, and it changed my life. And 26 years later, I've been in the nonprofit spe uh, space. I've built three organizations, served over 160,000 at-risk kids. I currently run a charity for military children of the fallen, wounded, and deployed, building that nationally. I've consulted for 20 Charities, I've touched about $22 million in my fund development career and just really have learned a lot and love the space that I'm in. And, you know, the very things that changed my life, attending a sports camp and um, having a mentor in my life um, is exactly what I did and, and I've done for 26 years. And I've worked with multiple charities. So that's kind of where I'm at. I've learned a lot. I've licked envelopes. I've, you know, uh hired people, I've created programs, there's really nothing in the nonprofit space that I haven't had to be down and dirty and do myself. So, um, like I said, it's an honor to be on the call because I know uh, what the two of you do in the community. So just hopefully I can share a little bit of my experience as we uh, go on with the call. Awesome. Well, uh, maybe then that would be a really, you just gave me a great idea. What what a lot of people that we work with in the business side, and you work with both, so you know what I'm talking about. You probably know what I'm about to say. They don't 
when they haven't worked with a nonprofit on any kind of a campaign, a program, or anything before, and they hear what I said earlier about what a great idea that would be, I think maybe it would help to give people a perspective from your perspective, from the nonprofit perspective. What are things that you need when you're in a nonprofit and you're hustling constantly for funds, for grants, for getting the materials that you need, getting the volunteer help that you need? What's it like? Um, and w- w- what kinds of approaches would a business make that would be very, very welcome to a typical nonprofit to work with them? Well, a nonprofit, you know, you're basically uh, bro- uh, broken into like four categories. You've got your administration and your management. You've got your fund development. You've got your program and measurability. And then you need the strategic plan to implement a plan. I've always said from the beginning, as soon as you stop treating your nonprofit as a uh, business, that's when you fail. It's it's got every um, component of what a real business is. It just has a tax deduction opposed to a return. And then your community service, your social responsibility um, is utmost and built from passion and so forth. So, you know, it's very important to look at it as a business. Now, um, one of the things I feel is the most important is you can bring a lot of passion to the table, but at the beginning of it, Um, You know, you have your outreach, you have your 30 friends to approach, work associates, whatever that list is. You maybe have a couple people that believe in your passion and started with you on your board. They know a few people. But once you get through that Rolodex, where's the sustainability? So it's very important for a nonprofit to identify their needs and what they need from board members and committee members. And then that's where the partnerships come in. You can reach out to the community. Many of the corporations have that social responsibility piece. They encourage their employees. They encourage their executives to be a part of the nonprofit and and make a difference. And so I, I look at it as simple as this. If you bring in 10 people to your organization and they can touch three people in the community, to support your cause, you now have 30 additional people helping you, whether it's in the area of a donation strictly, if it's in the area of intellectual um, uh, power from the strategic planning, uh, program experience, um, you know, uh, logistics experience. There's just such an opportunity for a community to come together in a united way for a cause that is near and dear to your heart. So I really believe building that team, um, whether it's five people, 10 people, 20 people, but you can see the power of numbers, uh, that's how you create the sustainability and have the octopus arms to reach in a lot of different areas for expertise. Yeah. Right, and I like what you said. It's really, it is a business. So, you know, for people who are, wondering what they can do to help nonprofits. Don't look at them like they're just some weird foreign entity kind of thing that you've never experienced. They look like on the inside much like what your business looks like on the inside. And their product is a, is is service, is doing good in the world. That's their product. It's not shoes or T-shirts, but uh, it is definitely a product. And, um, well, yeah, go ahead. I. I agree with you, and and that's part of the partnerships when when somebody approaches you is that, you know, you have such an ability to have a uh, proactive way to serve the community and serve a role in your life's work and your life experiences 
to be successful, you're able to share and you get that feeling of uh, warmth and, and making a difference. And at the same time, you know, you have to create that sustainability factor of, of helping that nonprofit run a business. You know, I look at an, uh, a corporation as a great opportunity to, you know, create their brand. I mean, nonprofits, as you were talking about when I was able to jump on the call, is about that cause marketing um, component of it. It's so powerful for a company. I mean, even if you take a, a store with 10 employees and 3 million in sales, well, they obviously have a circle of influence of loyalty. Why not get that loyalty for those people to come and help you do a, a pet adoption day in your parking lot? And you put the team together of 20 volunteers in the community, you know, based on your business. You're out there for a cause. You're, you're bringing key vendors together, key customers together, employees, their families for that unity thing. And, you know, you get out there for a day and you get, you know, 40 dogs adopted and you get, you know, a new 600 people to your store to learn more about you. And then your best vendors, your best clients all of them are even more engaged um, because of the social responsibility and the cause marketing effect of uh, partnering with the charity. Absolutely. And I've read about many, many different examples of uh, all kinds of businesses, not just local, but, uh, you know, digital consulting, um, all kinds of businesses working with nonprofits in very creative ways to do mutual good um, for the business to get exposure and for the nonprofit to raise a bunch of money or raise awareness or a combination of all of those things. So, yeah, have you ever worked with anybody who's um, – well, maybe you could give another example. Is there any other, uh, you know, cross promos with, with businesses and, and nonprofits that you worked with personally? Well, you know, my formula in the 90s, so as I uh, told you in my – 30-second story that ran a little late. Um, I um, worked with pro athletes. It was a pro athlete at a youth camp that changed my life. You know, there's a lot of athletes um, in the cities and in communities, whether it's baseball, football, hockey, uh, uh, softball, uh, volleyball, um, but there's an opportunity for you to get some celebrity type of endorsements and partnerships that help you with your cause, help you with your brand and your for-profit entity. Um, so I really believe in, in that type of a power of uh, partnering with an athlete. As an example, my charity, Helping Hands for Freedom for Military Children, um, the first thing I did when I came to Denver is try to create a partnership with a professional athlete. And then I hit the jackpot when Malik Jackson of the Denver Broncos how I was able to finally get to him, and um, he had something in his heart that he wanted to attach himself to, and he picked our charity, and, you know, we've been featured on CBS National Telecast um, with uh, Malik's involvement. He was uh, nominated for the Salute to Service Award. Um, uh, one team, uh, every team uh, nominated one player, so it brought more attention. The Broncos are helping us with publicity. And it wasn't that I had a personal relationship with them. You know, it, it can start with a simple letter to the community relations department asking if they have an athlete that cares about your cause. So there's a lot of different ways, but I had a lot of success. You know, um, raising money with a pro athlete that has some community recognition 
I mean, I used to have, you know, 30 businesses come to a VIP dinner with their families to get pictures and autographs, and the whole intent was to raise money. So there's just a lot of ways you can go about your your brand, your cause. Um, it's it's just amazing how that for-profit slash non-profit can work together to be even more powerful. And if it's a simple handshake with a professional athlete, it's not as hard as you would think to try to find one to associate themselves with your cause. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, we're always talking about different ways to um, do big things without having to be the driving force behind those big things, like get a lot of attention online in many different ways for uh, in social media or basically just getting in front of other people's audiences. And so what you just described is a pro player who has an audience and has fans and has um, the entire team and franchise behind them to help bring to bear an awful lot of outside resources where you guys then wouldn't have to, if you if you were running a big campaign online or you wanted to, but then you were daunted by the fact that it's just an awful lot of work to do it from the ground up, from the bootstraps, and you guys have to keep on your mission, right? you got to be doing the work that everybody is expecting you to do, and it's really what you're in it for. And <laughs> if you're spending too much time on administrative stuff or marketing or anything else, people start to go, hey, that's not that's kind of you know pulling resources away from the thing we all care about. So you know, using that leverage the way you do is a huge deal, and in fact, it's absolutely required if you're going to get the greatest good done with the groups that you're working with, right? Well, without a doubt, and then as you said, the daunting task, well, that's the advantage of your strategic planning because um, I feel it's very important to define what you want your charity to look like. Um, you have you have your programs, and let's say you run a mentorship program. Well, wouldn't you want as many retired teachers or current teachers or someone who ran after school programs to be a part of it so they take the burden and the pressure off of you reinventing the will? They've been there and done that. You get a team. Now, you know, you have your uh, board development as an example. Well, what are you going to get? You're going to get the first-level employee uh, working for the first time as a 22-year-old, or are you going to get that guy that's 45 years old, executive at a company who served on six boards to go and move and shake in the community and bring other key people, and there's some help with your fund development. Um, then you have the opportunity, let's say you want to run a golf tournament, Um why not get somebody on your board that's ran a golf tournament? And then they take the pressure off of you that way. And you build a team because people like to be engaged. People want to be enrolled in the cause. You know, I can't tell you how many times as I raise money for uh, Helping Hands for Freedom that I'd say, you know, one out of every three calls is, can I do anything else? Can I volunteer? What do you need? So, you know, those all those components are important. And there's people out in the community willing to help you know, whether it's a five-hour research center on Google or if it's a strategic planning meeting with the five members that you currently have to who, who else you want to reach out to. But if you clearly define what you need for the charity to be successful, you don't have to do it yourself. You just go out and make it happen and, and engage the community to get involved. Awesome. I think I, uh, I've got a question from Jan. Jan, can we hear you? Yeah. Yeah, Rodney, this is great. You know, one of the things that uh, has always, you know, bugged me about nonprofits is the 
and you know this, everybody knows this has ever worked with one, is that generally what happens is if it's not actually a profitable nonprofit, the people running it just burn out. And so to me, this is not just a nice thing to do. It's critical that businesses start to share their expertise and their resources with the nonprofits they care about because it's actually the only way they can actually serve and continue continue going. Um, have you seen different ways that businesses bring their expertise to help the nonprofits? Well, I'm going to take it back to the person that had the passionate vision at first. Um, the charities I've consulted for, you know, that's one of the – first things we drill down and there hasn't been a charity even my current charity doesn't necessarily do it right but that's the part of the burnout and the struggle and so forth is you're so busy and wrapped in maybe the program and the mission of what you started out you you let that business component of it um, slide a little bit so to help with the burnout that's why the team around you is so critical and then that person that's kind of heading up your programs make sure you have someone coming behind them and that that person that started with the program chairman position per se is helping train because you know uh, it's the nonprofit is broken up in several categories it's not just about you know running a great program it's not just about fund development if you don't have good programs you people are going to stop giving you money you know um it's about you know who can help you with the sustainability with the one to three year strategic plan who has done it before and for successful companies for their current companies so yeah i i see that um but really it's up to the nonprofit to to have the vision of you know getting those key people around them and you know, a corporation, they encourage. I, I haven't met a corporation, whether it's a, a $500,000 or less or the $20 million corporation, they want their employees to get involved. So it's up to the nonprofit to go find the right people to get as a part of it. And then you've got to make sure and, and feed to the strengths and the communication, the follow-up, the thank you cards, all the little things that, you know, make a big difference in any level of business. So definitely, but I, I feel it's important for the nonprofit to really understand it's up to them to go get the community involved. Well, one of the things that I like to teach people about uh, you know, getting more exposure for their business is to know the problems of the people they're reaching out to. So we talk a lot about, you know, big publishing uh, sites, your, your your Huffington Post of your market niche, um, and how everybody thinks uh, it's just an impenetrable fortress. You can't get in there. You can't get any exposure from it because everybody's trying to, and they've got plenty of content anyway. So why would they need me to guest post or and I like to take them through what it kind of looks like on the back end of one of those things. And it's completely insane. And everybody's running around. There's last-minute deadlines getting uh, handled, and uh, there's emergency situations all the time. They have an editorial calendar. They have to meet deadlines. They've got all this stuff. And it's a, it's a lot easier to get into a situation like that if you come in knowing what people need. And so I think you're um, – giving people insight as to what it looks like in the back end of a nonprofit and that they are responsible for going out and finding uh, people who can help them with various aspects of um, the business, um, marketing, things like that, is going to be a really helpful 
thing for businesses who want to do something with nonprofits, but you can't sit around and wait to be asked. And if it's their job and you just show up and <laughs> you are providing the solution as a board member or, or um, just as a volunteer and you're volunteering your business's resources, uh, you need to know that you're going to be a very welcome site in most cases by most nonprofits who are charged with exactly what uh, you just talked about. So it's a really good way to look at, you know, it's not hard to do. It's not, um, there's no real, uh, I mean, it's really just conversation, shaking hands and going, how can I help? Really, isn't it? And I'm sure the nonprofit's going to tell you exactly what they need. Well, and and back to Jan talking about burnout, you know, obviously you can be hustling and you try to run a fundraiser event and it's not successful, uh, money's tight, the person that you wanted to stay with you, that you wanted to pay, can no longer be there, they have to go find a job, you know, you can burn out the board members too, so, you know, I, I feel it's important, like, the one of the lines I use in an organization sometimes, if it's free, it's not for me. You know, when you when you need blog posts and a strategic plan with your social media, you know, I rather would focus on identifying how much it would cost to hire a professional um, to, to have a board member do it and then on top of their job, and that's something they do anyway. Often a lot of times board members like to do something new with an organization, not something maybe that they do on a day-to-day basis in their profession, but you've got to be real careful of the burnout and, um, you know, allocate, uh, you know, to professionals. That's a difference maker. Obviously, if you have a social media campaign to develop, uh, let's say, uh, to help sell out a poker tournament, um, and your board member helps you and, you know, spends that month of staying to it, you know, you want to be able to relieve them of that and and not keep the pressure on them in those little areas because, again, sustainability, you know, um, there's a, a, a lot to it. And not burning out the committees and your board members is an important part of it too. It sounds like you're speaking from actual experience there, and I know you are, and I know what that's like too to – to need an awful lot and to or to be in the middle of a campaign and your board's just a little lethargic, if not unresponsive. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that, that's hard, man. That is really hard. Well, that's that fine well, line. Do, do you find eight quality people and go for it, or do you find sixteen and hope eight of them, you know, can do what you need to do for a charity? You know, just because somebody raised their hands. It's not always that simple. They have a personal life, a, a work life, and things catch up to them, and they may have had the best intentions. Um, I always kind of like to have a bullpen ready to go as well um, when, I, when I'm trying to grow a charity. Yeah, I, And, you know, uh, there are many charities where the person who starts it may or may not have any experience in business. Running a charity is essentially running a business that is supporting an idea. And because you're generating money and you're trying to create a product which are your services uh, to an to an idea or to your goal and you know one of the things that I've noticed is I know people that are very passionate and they start a nonprofit and they're going and a couple years down the line you know their idea was I'm going to be providing these services I've got all these programs that I'm going to be doing. And what they discover is that they're spending 50, 60, 70% of their time raising money. Yeah. 
and trying to figure out how to get the word out and trying to run the programs and writing grants and doing all this stuff. And that's when it occurred to me that they actually really do need kind of business help as well as, you know, physical help. And that's one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that they really have the skills to significantly impact uh, a nonprofit by either showing up uh, sharing their resources or sharing their their list to the nonprofit, as well as sharing their expertise in in how to actually generate money and keep the books and make the budget that works. And like you said, hire somebody to do instead of doing it all yourself. I think those are really important things that a business person would look at, but a nonprofit people may or may not even know to look at that. Yeah, I think often, as you said, it's the intellectual capital that people forget about. And to me, it's the lifeblood of the organization. You know, um, you know, may I have $5,000 isn't going to get it done. You know, you have to have the intellectual capacity of a team that has expertise in multiple facets, multiple areas, single areas. But um, it's that intellectual capital that often charities forget about. And um, corporations don't understand how valuable it is else they would encourage it more because, you know, um, they really do care. For the most part, these companies understand, you know, a little bit about the cause marketing and uh, the social responsibility and, and what it could mean to them individually and legacy and to their companies. So um, very important. Intellectual capital is a key component to being successful. So how do you start to build that when you work with someone, and, and how do you um, – what are the things that you look for? Well, you know, you do a lot of research, and you define, like, like let's take that example I talked about. Let's say we have four categories. We have a board development category that we need to fill. We have a programs committee we need to fill. We have a financial committee we need to fill, and um, – the fund development, business development, whatever you may want to call it. Well, you clearly have to define that skill set. You have to get it to paper. You know, um, the, the the trick at the beginning for me was just because I was passionate about everything, I thought those people that I got involved were supposed to be passionate about everything. But it doesn't always work that way. But if you can have a clearly defined role, um, documented, a process, like who they report to, the committee chair, is it to the executive director, is it to a monthly meeting, is it a quarterly meeting, but you, if you clearly define those uh, uh, skill sets, uh, the intellectual needs, the connection needs, all those things, um, you've created half the battle because now you sit in front of someone. Now, I had a contest with my board members once, and I said, we need 10 new be uh, board members. Everybody put $100 into the pot, and let's see who gets the most to join the organization. I went and sat my butt at one of the major steakhouses in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I ended up getting six people that came to the place to just eat dinner that was in business before they went home for the day, and I was able to create meetings. I showed them what I needed help with on the charity, and they joined my board. 
So it's just a matter of having that de definition and then letting them raise their hand. So here's what we do as an organization. Here's four areas of need. Which one would you like to serve? And right away, they're engaged. They're raising their hand. They're, they're holding themselves accountable by saying, yes, I'd like to be involved, and here's what I can do for you. And then often, that's what you ask of them. Don't necessarily have to go and ask them for four other things. Let them focus on what they raise their hand for, and it goes a long ways into your success. By the way, I won the $100 pot. Um, I got the most <laughs> board members. Good to know. Well, that's nice. really awesome. I, I like that you uh, have really stated that it's it's really important to have their the roles that you need filled and go to look for them and then let people sort of self-select in that way. So yeah, that having them raise their hand. Paid. Yeah. Having them raise their hand is a difference maker. You know, it's a lot easier to hold them accountable. Well, you said this, you said you wanted to do this. Uh, so it's easier that way. Assigning things doesn't work as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Have you uh, done anything with entrepreneurship, with um, a business coming to help, and specifically doing something with their product line, doing something with what they offer to help raise money um, for the organization by sharing the profits? Have you done any work like that? Yeah, you know, the most common one and probably the easiest for a charity to do is if you can engage a manager of a restaurant. Um, we've had great success in Arizona where for a month every Thursday, um, you know, our charity is able to get 20% of all everybody's bill that day. So you have that cause marketing effect. They get to use it in promotion. They expect the charities to drive traffic into the store and eat. So everybody's winning in that type of a relationship. The percentage of sales, um, you know, one of my, I, I guess you would say, competitors in the nonprofit space, Wounded Warrior Project, um, are facing a lot of scrutiny right now. But they were magical in their partnerships. Whoever their marketing guy was is amazing. You know, Heinz Ketchup, you know, for the month, um, their logo's on Heinz Ketchup, and they got 57 cents per sale. Um, you know, a lot of companies understand that, and if they don't, you just need to explain how it benefits. But you got to remember as a charity that, you know, a corporation and a partnership and a community from an organization, you know, they expect you to help them as well. Uh, another example would be in that golf tournament format. You know, if you get with a organization, a company that works with multiple vendors, like a construction company, and they have all these vendors that, you know, are begging them for business and kissing their butt, and they hold a golf tournament, charge their vendors, the money goes to the charity, you create a silent auction, um, you get your company employees to volunteer uh, for registration check-in, to manage the auction for cleanup or setup. So now you've got that um, teamwork going on where your company's involved and you're now you're reaching out to the community and showing all those people that you work with that you care and that you're raising money for a cause and, um, you know, it just snowballs and those type of effects. So, you know, it's it's easy if you can demonstrate to the companies, to the organizations, the cause marketing effect of selling their brand, choosing a month, um, and that month being able to tell the community that a percentage of every widget that you sell that day um, 
uh, goes to the cause that they care deeply about. Um, you know, I, I believe cause marketing um, is underutilized um, and only mastered by less than 5% of the charities in the country. Wow. We, that That's pretty low. <laughs> that seems yeah. like a lot of opportunity, too. Well, you know, There's I was just talking... I was just talking, and he will be our guest in a couple of weeks, to my insurance guy, right? And he does lots and lots of charity stuff because he really has a lot of causes that he believes in that he, he enjoys uh, uh, working with. And he said it really succinctly. He said, um, when I go to a regular event, I'm just the insurance guy. But if somebody meets me, charitable event, and we work together, even if just for a second, I'm the guy who uh, has the same, it's like we're on the same team, and I sell insurance. And it's a very simple idea of really <laughs> connecting people together, and it, it's it's not complex. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a quick example with my insurance guy. I said, how much can you give this year? He's like, well, Rod, you know, my year wasn't as good as my previous year. Um, I can give 2500 And I said, why don't you do this then? Why don't you draft a letter to all your clients? You have uh, 1,300 clients and tell them that you're going to match them up to 2500 and that way the charity can double their money. They understand that you give a, uh, you care about the community, and it's, it's going to help you in their loyalty to you. And then I want you to come back in two weeks after the event to give them a report that you were able to hit a certain number and what that money's going towards, and then I want you to ask them for a referral. And they created a huge amount of uh, referrals that month, and I believe it was associated with the goodwill that he had just previously done. So, yeah, a lot of secret sauces to that uh, for-profit and non-profit relationship. Because I think what we're talking about is it's it's bigger than it, – it's a deep sense that as human beings, business owners or not, we want to connect. We want to support each other. And there's been this huge gap between business, uh, home life, and charities. Uh, like it was, I give money, that's it. And what we're talking about is actually being connected in a way and, and integrating parts of your business or parts of your um, business activities into a nonprofit that you care about and integrating the people that you know. And that is where it really becomes powerful. And also what I see you talking about, Rodney, is it's community building. How do you see that happening? Well, that, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, a lot of the examples that I talked about is is that – now. Is it all right for someone to give money? Of course, every charity needs money. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, everybody wishes they had that angel to write that $100,000 check annually, but it just doesn't always work that way. But, you know, that, that connection with the community uh, and the ability for you 
who care about a cause, whether it's animals, whether it's cancer, whether it's military, whether it's at-risk children. Um, you know, if, if, if that's something that you really care about, um, there's so much you can do. I mean, we've talked about so many of them, you know. Selling a foursome on behalf of the charity for their golf tournament is simple to do. Um, to help them get eight volunteers is simple to do. For them to go in and sit with the executive director and help put that three-year strategic plan to create that sustainability of the organization. Um, realizing that the organization needs somebody to replace the accountant that just uh, had to leave or resign from your board of directors and making that introduction to your accountant to uh, possibly help charity at a discounted rate. Um, you know, your neighbor uh, uh, happened to, um, you know, have enough money and has a family foundation and uh, can help you learn more about grant writing because their charity doesn't support your cause, but you could, you know, learning curve from that, really just what we're talking about. There's so many ways individuals and companies and employees um, can have a powerful impact, whether it's multiple ways or a single way. There's just so many things that they can do to help. Well, I can tell you guys from experience that, you know, the things that uh, people who, who listen to our show know that they've taught themselves about uh, marketing, social media, uh, list building, funnel building, um, sales copy, things like that. If you thought it felt good to get your first funnel done after you learned how to do all of that and people started coming through it and people started subscribing and buying your product and everything, and, yes, that feels good, nothing feels <laughs> remotely as good as when you bring your abilities to bear on a nonprofit that you care about who really need that help, who don't know the first thing about doing that stuff, uh, typically. Now, a lot of nonprofits are catching up and they're trying, and they're, but, I mean, they're not putting themselves to the same amount of training that you guys are, and they don't have the hard drive full of uh, know-how and, uh, you know, copywriting skills and, and funnel creation tools and resources. When you bring that stuff to bear for a nonprofit that you really care about, you won't feel the same way you did when you just did it for your business. Even though that is a great feeling when there's a success in the business, there's nothing better than when you use that same know-how uh, with a nonprofit. And I would say that it's probably even less than 5% of nonprofits who are doing super advanced um, list building, just to bring in bunches of new uh, people, to read something really cool, to, to be involved in something cool, and now that list is prime for your next mailer, for your next fundraiser, for your next uh, volunteer recruitment event or whatever, uh, they need those resources really bad. They covet those things once they come to understand what they're missing. Most nonprofits don't even know what they're missing. And then, wow, it's a, it's a great thing. So it's not even a big sacrifice on the part of most digital marketers um, to do this other than some time. And if you can even get somebody who is going to be in charge of that on the staff, uh, for taking care of it going forward, all of that, and you set them up with something really, really cool that brings in a lot of notoriety, a lot of list members, a lot of donors, um, on an ongoing basis you wouldn't have to manage that necessarily for them, but just setting it up would be a huge boom for a lot of nonprofits. 
That's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better. So uh, where do we want to go next? Nobody has any ideas. (laughs) I shut it down. (laughs) Hey, I fired out some good ideas out there. Yeah, I know. I think you did too many. You're supposed to space that out, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've got to say, I I know people in nonprofits that don't even have a list. They don't keep a mailing list. They don't Mm -hmm. have a landing page where people can sign up. They don't have any way to actually generate income um, in terms of a digital product or, uh, as we've talked about, integration marketing where you can literally either, you know, like they've got on PayPal now, you know, here, donate, blah, 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 to this charity. You know, we we have the ability to put that on the back end of any digital product or on the front end. Yeah, we take a lot of things for granted. Actually, Jen, digital product, membership site, or physical product, we can put that on the back end of. There you go. And this is just a really amazing opportunity for them, even if it covered, because I didn't realize this when I first started looking at it, but we have a community center here. And they kept getting grants for stuff, like a basketball court and a soccer field and all this. But they weren't getting any grants that allowed them to pay someone <laughs> to, to, like, manage the center. And so there was a huge gap in terms of being able to provide the services. And, no, you know, it, it was kind of a catch-22. And it made me think, wow, if they could just generate three to four to $500 a month in some way, shape, or form, they, it would give them such a benefit of having, being able to have someone there that just opened and closed the doors. And what a difference that makes in almost any charity. Yeah, and you know, I when when I advise somebody on how to build a charity, um, I like to pull that out because significant donations, you know, the ten thousand and above donations, um, that's a sophisticated donor. They understand um, what a charity is supposed to do. Um, that if it states it has a mission, they understand what it takes to implement their mi- mission. So they kind of have that scrutiny, you know. They look at a 990 return to make sure your ratio from expenses um, is program heavy. You know, probably the worst they like to see is 70 cents on the dollar going to the programs and 30 cents on the dollar going to your admin and your fund development positions. But I I think you have to separate them. You know, people like to rescue you uh, as a charity. People like to be a hero with the charity. So that comes down to the team you put together and the strategic planning. So if that executive assistant and fund development um, coordinator is a $70,000 a year um, amount that you need to raise, well, you know, define it and define the roles and go find somebody in the community to fund it. Now, I know it sounds like, well, that isn't as simple as it is, but, you know, people, as you mentioned, can go get a grant but it has to go to your programs. So why can't you go out and get somebody who understands business 
to help you fund the staff necessary to run a successful business that's sustainable. But yeah, the cart before the horse, the egg before the chicken, you know, it, it, it's really a tricky component. But you have to plan for it if you're a charity. And as a company, you can raise your hand and help them in those particular areas of need. It, the balance thing is really a, a big deal. You know, it's uh, it, your success in one area can cre- create big problems in others for nonprofits. And then a lot of people are very sensitive to that administration versus what's going straight to the cause um, ratio. And um, they forget that, that that administration really, you know, isn't going to – if if they can't maintain something, if they got something great – uh, but they can't maintain it or they can't keep it going because there's nobody to run it, then it was a waste of money. and It's a, it's a potential waste of donor money, even though they got one of the big things that they needed. So uh, I still think it's it's really great for uh, all the business owners listening to hear these things and get a better idea of what it's like for nonprofits. And I think that's the big takeaway here today is that, uh, you know, people – just don't know what they don't know. And even if you've been on a board before, uh, you know you know that there are board members who are on boards of things that don't really do that much um, and never really got to know, even though the whole time they were on the board, they didn't really get to know how the nonprofit worked, what it really deep down needed, because they weren't involved in, in anything close to the day-to-day operations. So you can even have done work with nonprofits before and benefit from uh, this call today, just knowing more about what the problems are and how easy it is really to come in and be that hero and save the day <laughs> in so many ways. And then, you know, well, quite often, uh, well, a successful nonprofit is going to have an awful lot of people on their list. And these are people who support the nonprofit. And if you're really getting anal retentive about uh, markets and your demographic and, you know, if you've gone through some of our classes, you got to make sure you're really honing in on the exact people that you want to sell to. That's, you know, and you're going to have a big breadth of walks of life that are going to be, you know, giving uh, to nonprofits. But even so, if you're going to help them and then they just send out a thing, thanks to so-and-so for whatever, that's the most basic but not very strategic uh, way of getting exposure for your business, that's still a great big list that's mailing for you, <laughs> thanking you for right. uh, something awesome. And, of course, that would include probably your URL, go check them out, support this business, that kind of thing. And again, that's not the most strategic way to do it, but it's a great way. It's a great way to get a lot more exposure from people who consume things. <laughs> lots uh, and lots and of let things. Me, They're not people who care about the nonprofit. They are people who buy things, too. And one of the last things I want to share, which is a cool experience I'm going to share, I actually have to leave because I'm going to go interview Malik Jackson, who is in San Francisco. I'm going into the radio station, and here was my formula is, um, Malik, if you care about my charity, can I use your name to go get an endorsement on behalf of the charity? Utilize your celebrity status as a key member of the Denver Broncos defense and put something together that benefits these military children. I went out and got a car dealership, Century Chevy in Broomfield, Colorado, to commit to a ten grand donation. And in return, they were able to put Malik into a lease to drive their car with their logo on it for the season. 
Um, we created a radio show, Five Minutes with Malik Jackson, that Malik is doing for free, and we tape it every Tuesday and play it every Saturday before the game. I recognize the dealership. The dealership loved the relation, came back to me, offered me $700 a sack that Malik gets and $7 for every car that was sold in a Lucky 7 campaign that we created. And everybody in the community, Malik feels good about it. The dealership is being able to um, reach so many more people and catch eyes you know, with their celebrity contact. They're able to make a deduction that they're more than happy to make to the charity. And it is that win-win-win situation that every charity should be looking for. And I'm very fortunate to have met such a great athlete and a great man like Malik to be able to be our spokesperson. It's not that easy to find them, but you can find them, and it does make a difference. But I've got to run. Um, they don't have practice today, so i got a small window to pin them down before he starts relaxing. But I wanted to thank you guys for having me. Rodney, thank you, thank you so much for being here. All yeah. right, and, and I'd Jeff, love to be back. Anytime you guys want to reach back out to me, I'd love to be back. That great. would be great, we'll Rodney. We happen. will definitely do that. Okay, everybody, I'm going to go interview me a Super Bowl uh, participant. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll see you. Thank you again. Take care. And Jack, let's make sure we remind everybody of where they can find Rodney as well. You can get to Rodney at theartofcharitablegiving.com. Everybody go check it out. Oh, that was really so good. I, to do, today, I, didn't know, I didn't know we were going to get that today uh, or when we would, but I, I I had a little that we could get somebody on at some point that could teach us what it's more what more about what it's like on the back end of a um, nonprofit, their needs and their struggles and things that, you know, you could swoop in and save the day and help them and make it more comfortable for business owners to think that you can even do this, that it's something that would even be worthwhile to you um, or if you'd have to chase it down or wiggle your way in or believe me, there's no competition when it comes to coming in and helping a nonprofit. They are taking all comers. And they need so much different kinds of help. Even if you don't, if you can't write them a check today, you can show them how to create uh, a mailing list. You can help them set up an autoresponder. You can take pictures and upload it for them. I mean, seriously, folks, there's so much stuff they really need help with that, you know, I think a lot of people in Internet marketing don't know how much they know because this all seems really simple you know, like the basic stuff, but trust me, lots of business people, they either don't know it or they just don't have time and, and energy to do it and learn it. So there's lots of opportunities to help. You know, one of the yeah. guests I would love to have back on the show is Chris Miglino. Chris is the founder of socialreality.com and groupad.com. They are two platforms that make it easier for nonprofits and for-profits to work together to do the kinds of things that Rodney was just talking about. We should definitely get back in touch with Christian and have him okay. back on the show. That'd be great. Well, thank you so much, guys. Awesome, awesome show today. Thanks to and Rodney Smith. Go ahead. And don't forget you can use Divisio 
to uh, do this very simple integration marketing with the charities of your choice. And you absolutely, it's can. an awesome format to use. So, thank you so much for that, Jen. And remember to go over and check out theartofcharitablegiving.com and see all that Rodney and his partner, James Craddock, have done. Thanks again, guys. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.